Good morning, family. Good to have you guys today. Doesn't the church just look gorgeous? I mean, wow. Didn't they do a great job? Yeah. Uh, would you stand up just for a second if you help decorate? Memmy Phillips, one of our leaders. And Okay, great. All right, let's get man. Jocelyn's, Martell's, uh, it's wonderful to be a family. Everybody has a role, everybody has a gift, everybody has a, a place to serve, and we bless each other by it. I don't know if you know or not, but uh, there's a very historic day coming up here on Tuesday, it's December 8th, and uh, I want you to look at a building here. If you go up seven stories in this building and go three to the right, that room is a very special room. It's a place where I was born. Yes. There was a brass plaque. Said Dan Harrison was born here. But they took it down the day after I put it up. <laughs> so I, I, I have a little sticker now. Nobody can really see it, that's why it stays there, you know. <laughs> but it's a special room. And yes, it is my birthday coming up on Tuesday, December 8th. And I am really excited. And, and I, I, I've been taught, if you want people to respond to you, you need to communicate your expectations to them. So I want to be very clear about what I would like on my birthday. So let's take a look here. Let's throw a party, right? Now, I, God, I just know there's a surprise party out there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anything. Lori's not said anything, but I just feel it. It's coming. It's coming. Give me a card. Yeah. Just don't write your name. Tell me how great I am. All right? Yeah. Give me a present. Forget the card if you can't afford both. Just give me a present. <laughs> gift cards to uh, Chili's and Giordano's, wherever. I'm not fussy. Cold card, excuse me, cold hard cash always gets the job done. All right? And then sing. Sing! Sing! I love to be sung to on my birthday. It's unusual that we are all here together. My birthday is just two days away, and I don't think we have time to gather again. So, uh, could you sing to me? Could you sing to me? Louder! Louder! Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We got two different songs going. I want you to sing so I feel fully appreciated, okay? One, two, three. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. 
be so kind of you to remember. Thank you so much. I want to be fair here. Does anybody else have a birthday on December 8th out there? Yo! Anybody else? Phil Gannison, get up here, boy. Get up here now. Get up here. We're birthday buddies, man. We're birthday buddies. <laughs> What's you say? No, I thought you said early in December. Is, is that your birthday, December eighth? No, I said December twenty-fifth. Oh. Okay, we'll see you later. I sing to Phil. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Phil. Happy birthday to you. Give Phil a hand. All right. Okay. Uh, Wish me a happy birthday on social media. Uh, Tell me that you love me. That's all I really want. I just want love. You know, our culture teaches us that we get a bonus birthday every December. You got your regular birthday, and then you got your bonus birthday, man. I mean, and it's so much better than your birthday. It goes throughout the month. There's all kind of parties and all cookies and the the pie, K-bars. Overtaken. Uh, Yeah. Let's see what our expectations are for ourselves for Christmas. Let's throw a party, right? Every chance we get, go to a party. Give us a Christmas card. That's what we want. We we love to get Christmas cards. This one kind of disappointed us, so. Yeah. They're not very joyful. All right, let's go to the next slide. Uh, One more. Okay. We're talking about Christmas and how wonderful it is. And and I tell you, people really get into it. I mean, this person has way too much time on their hands. Yeah, you know. Then also, we put up the tree. You want to have a perfect Christmas, you got to do that. Oh, doesn't that look nice? Beautiful tree, fireplace. And of course, you've got to have the right kind of food. So, yeah. Make up the Christmas dinner. Yeah, those are, those are all things that, that are great about Christmas. Let's go to the next slide. Where did St. Nicholas come from? Because you realize Santa Claus is the leader of Christmas, isn't he? I mean, he's the star of Christmas. Now, I used to be a Santa Claus. I'm not against Santa Claus. But again, he's the star of Christmas. It's all about Christmas. In fact, the modern Santa Claus uh, kind of derives some of its roots from uh, Clement Moore, who wrote the, the poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, which we're all very familiar with back in 1848. Something also that uh, made a difference is this picture of Santa Claus. That was uh, penned in, I don't know, 1831. So that kind of 
gave the idea. It was Thomas Nash. So that was kind of the root of who our Santa Claus is. Yeah, see if I get the next picture. Yeah, this is the, the, the song that came out in 1934 that really helped us understand who Santa was. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. And checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. It's kind of freaky, isn't it? Isn't it just a little bit scary? It's like the judge is coming to town and he is going to give you what you deserve. Uh, we go on here. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. What is he, omniscient like God, omnipresent? He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Or who knows what might happen to you. You better watch out. You better not cry. Now, I know you moms have used that song to help your children behave. <laughs> you don't want to get no coal in the stocking, right? Well, we have a lot of things we do at Christmas, and we just enjoy these different traditions. And there's almost an expectation that you know, everybody should be happy at Christmas. But the real problem is, it's not your birthday. It's not your bonus birthday. In fact, it's not about you at all. It's all about Jesus Christ entering into this very messy world. You read the prophecy in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. You know, hundreds of years before it came to be. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. That's what Christmas is all about. Celebrating every day in December, especially, that God came down to be one of us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We were talking about why Christianity is exclusive, that Jesus is the only way for all the people on the earth. They only can come by hearing about Jesus and what he did for them. That's why we send missionaries all around the world that's why we have uh, people who translate the Bible into languages that have never been written down before. Because people have to know about this good news and how much He loves us. Remember singing that? He loves us. He loves us. Now, if that doesn't mean anything to you, Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never come to the point in your life where you say, hey, you know, I'm going to give up on trying to do good works, uh, impress God, and hope I get into heaven. Because that's not going to happen. Because now I realize that 
my life is full of sin. And I need a Savior. I need somebody like Jesus who came down, died on a cross, and bore all of my sins, put every sin that I've ever committed and will commit upon him. And he paid the penalty in order that I might not have to pay the penalty. And all I have to do is say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. And the only thing I can do in order to establish a relationship with you and spend eternity with you is humbly come and confess my sins. Yes, I am a sinner. I can't do any good works to get to heaven. It's just by trusting in you. Now, that's a gospel, right? That's a good news. That's why we exist as a church, to tell people about the good news. We look at uh, John 3:17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. That's what most people would think, right? When they think about world religions, the gods are always angry or... <laughs> They're never loving, and that's why Christianity is so unique. But in order that the world might be saved through him. We go to the next verse. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 talks about what Jesus Christ had to do to come to this earth and become one of us, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, which means we're not sure, but that he restricted some of his divine attributes and his knowledge and other things while he was here on earth. He did that for us by taking the form of a servant. That's what he came for. He didn't come down for all the great things that day in Israel, the great life he could have, because he would have been in heaven all this time, right? But he came down for us to serve us, being born in the likeness of a man, fully God and fully man. What incredible love. Let's go to the next slide. Luke 2, 10 through 11 says, And the angel said to them, again, I'm speaking to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. Good news. That means gospel. Gospel. The life-changing gospel of what God has done for us. And again, if you've never made that decision, to really, you ask these people, you know, if you uh, were to die and go to heaven, why would they allow you in? And right away they can tell me where they're at. Because if they start, well, I've done this, I've done that, and I don't know if I'm going to get in, they don't understand grace. They still have a works orientation. Maybe that's you. You were taught that. Well, friends, this is the truth, and it's much better than what you've been taught. So I really encourage you to seek Jesus out. He would talk to us. Uh, 
come down front have our prayer time afterwards. Uh, but talk to somebody and get your questions answered. Now, it's interesting that Jesus Christ came down uh, into a very messy world. Because the world is a mess, isn't it? And when you think about the Christmas story, yeah, we can have our nativity scenes out, and that's, that's beautiful. But really, what Mary and Joseph had to go through, Mary, a girl, a servant girl, an angel shows up and said, hey, you're going to be pregnant with the Messiah. <laughs> then she has to explain to her parents how she got pregnant. Can you imagine how they responded? Really? <laughs> this is a new high, <laughs> a new low, that is. <laughs> and then Joseph they were engaged, and they had a year where they had to live apart before they became a couple, a married couple. And he thought, oh, you know, my wife's been unfaithful. But he was so kind, he didn't want to make a big deal out of it, which some people did. They just kind of dismissed it quietly. He tried to, but before he did, an angel showed up and said, hey, Mary is bearing Messiah. So they were the only ones who probably truly believed what was going down. I can't imagine anybody else believing it until they went to Bethlehem at the census and there was no inn for them. And so they had to go to the stable. And most experts think back in that day it was like a cave where they would keep the livestock, and, and it was really a nasty place. I mean, women, what do you think about being born in a really unkept barn? <laughs> I mean, nobody ever took care of it, and that's where you gave birth. That's a messy Christmas. Then you think about how they went on to live. Four, two years into it, Herod wanted to kill all the two-year-olds so that make sure that this Messiah had not come, had to flee to Egypt. Hey, it wasn't a very fun time, some might say. Maybe you're here today and you feel just kind of depressed when you see the lights and go to the stores and hear the music because culturally you've been taught that you need to be happy at Christmas, right? Life is good. Let's celebrate life. And you're, no, you're, in, no, <laughs> you're in no no place to celebrate life right now because maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you were just divorced or just went through a divorce. Maybe your life is really a mess. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you have a lot of financial uncertainty in your life. Maybe you have adult children who've walked away from God. 
Maybe this links to a memory of someone you lost, a relationship you lost around this season. Hmm. Yeah, nothing magical happens on December 1st. Life just goes on. Well, no matter how big your mess is, just as God stepped into the world, stepped into the mess that he came to heal. And that's what Jesus Christ, if you're a Christ follower, he's right there with you in that mess. And you know what? He's going to do beautiful things through it. You can't believe it. That's the worst possible scenario for you. But he's going to use it, and he's going to make you deeper. I was talking with a psychologist the other day, and he was talking about the fact that so many people come in for counseling, and they say, that bad thing was the best thing that ever happened to me. Ever experienced that before? Or something really bad happens, and it seems like nothing good. They say, that was the turning point in my life. They certainly don't want to go through the process, but that's how God works. So if you're struggling this Christmas season, stay out of the stores. Turn off the radio. (laughs) And just every day celebrate Emmanuel. God is with me in the midst of this storm that I'm going through. Just like God was with Joseph and Mary in the midst of their storm. Imagine she's pregnant and Everybody's gossiping about her. People are mean to her. People avoid her. That's not a very merry Christmas, is it? It sounds like a lot of pain. So I just want to encourage you that uh, keep your eyes on Jesus. And he will meet your needs. He will carry you through. One more thing I wanted to talk about in regards to the nativity scene bring that picture up. There's a crowd, man. (laughs) Right? (laughs) The hospitals wouldn't let this many people into the room. But uh, you see the angel there. Where's that angel coming from? There's no, nothing the Bible says an angel was there. Now, I don't know if they followed the shepherds or something. I'm not sure. But (laughs) that's not really biblical. And uh, then, of course, you have the wise men. Now, I have a deep passion. People who attended Springbrook for a while know it is very close to my heart. There's not many things that I have a campaign about for truth. But this is the one thing I have been consistent with for the last 25 years. What about the wise men? Let's look at this next verse. Matthew 2.11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, we've got a lot of misunderstandings about the wise men. The first is that they probably came about two years later. They were not there that night. I can tell you that, all right? Because they were magi. They were very important governmental leaders. 
and they had to come from the east, 800, 900 miles. That would take them about two years to get there. So they weren't there that night. They came to the house. In fact, if you look at the picture here, you'll see, uh, go one more. This is uh, a drawing of uh, how it might have been. At least they're in a house. At least Jesus is at least two years old, terrible too. Maybe not. But all I have to say is that, uh, yeah, the other problem is there's always three of them, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, who said there were three of them? Magi came with these types of gifts. There could have been two of them, or five of them, or 20 of them. Let's go back to the other picture. Like that. Now, that's as close as I could get in terms of what really happened, because they had to travel, and because they were such important people, they had to have an army with them to protect them. But there again, you see the three guys. It would be great if it was two or four, but it just propagates this lie <laughs> I'm getting out of control here. Uh, <laughs> it's lie, all right? <laughs> so, how many have listened? How many have engaged with me and made a difference by placing your wise men several feet away from the nativity scene? with a small card that says, they arrived two years later. That's all you have to do. Now, I know some of you, but my nativity scene, oh, it's precious. This person gave it to me, and I've had it for years. And if I put the wise men out of it, it would ruin it all. You want to teach the truth or a lie? Just ask yourself that question. Truth or lie? Right? How many have done this? How many are on my bandwagon? Oh, thank you, thank you. Raise your hand so I can keep them high. I just want to see how I've done over the years. All right, thank you, Gup. You're, you're not telling the truth, little lady. <laughs> it's my wife down here. She doesn't obey me. <laughs> so, oh, you say sometimes. Uh, yeah, you can remind me of those times. All right. Well, thank you for the faithful. Thank you for the faithful. And, and this is your year, babe. This is a year when you can actually do it. I'm not doing that. But honey, I told the whole church to do it. This can be the year for you to get on the bandwagon. It's very simple. You know, just move them you know, a good distance away and put a card there. When you go to other people's houses and they've got nativity scenes out, you've got to get the truth out. So have a card ready with you when you ever go to a party and just move. The wise men, don't tell them about it, okay? Just do it. Just do it. This is something that's so important we should not care what people's opinions are about what we do with their nativity scenes. When you're driving by and you see an outdoor nativity scene, maybe call a friend and go in the middle of the night and take the wise men behind the building. We're not trying to steal here. We're just trying to be accurate and biblical in every way. So how many are interested in, in joining the bandwagon? Anybody out there? Come on! I gave my best sales pitch. Oh, thank you, Barbara. Thank you very much, Marilyn. I appreciate that. All right.
Let's continue on here. So what do we give to Jesus on his birthday? Well, give a thank you gift to Jesus. Our creative team was talking about this this past week as we were getting the service ready and uh, came up with the idea of having a Jesus birthday box. Now, a Jesus birthday box tells everyone, your family and those who come into your home, what Christmas is all about. In fact, I would make the Jesus present the biggest one. And people come and say, whoa, who's that for? That's for Jesus. Whoa. <laughs> right? So what you do is you, you, you take a big box and wrap it up, and then you put a, a slit in it, and, and you have everyone in the family write a thank you letter to Jesus. A thank you letter. Everybody can do that. We're also thankful for things. But in order to teach your family what Christmas is all about, I think this is a great tool because they can write that letter and you can drop it in there. This gift, you know, with Jesus right here, right, will communicate to your family what it's all about, will communicate to other people. You say, yeah, it's Jesus' birthday. And if you're scared to say that, you need to pray for some faith and courage, right? And a great way to witness. And then on Christmas Day or Eve, whenever you open presents, you go around the circle and Jesus has his turn. It's his birthday, right? And what you do is you open this up and you read a thank you letter. Just one. Just one of his gifts. You go around again. Read another thank you letter. Go around again. You can put multiple ones in there. I mean, modify the idea in any way you want, but I think that it's a great way to remind you, your family, other people, be a witness to them. And also, right in the midst of what can become a materialistic party, right? On Christmas Eve, when the kids are wrapped, oh, I love this stuff, I love this stuff. Every time they go around, oh, wait a second, this is Jesus' birthday, okay? Tell me about it. Tell me how your experience goes. I'm going to continue to remind you about that. The second thing, and how we can put Jesus more in the middle of this season, is give a gift to the kingdom. Give a gift to the kingdom. We have an, you're an offering every year, and... This year, uh, it's $15,000 is our faith goal that goes to January. And we're seeking to raise $5,000 for each of these projects. Uh, the first project, as you see here, is discipling our kids. We want to do a better job so you can see our kids worshiping in our front theater there. They just have such a great time. <laughs> uh, but there's no back projector so the people on stage can see what the words are and those type of things. And we've been using a TV that's very precarious. So we want to solve that problem and get a background uh, projector in order to get those words up there and improve that room for all the different events that we have there. Here you see the kids uh, sitting down with a large story time, but then they go into small groups. So we want to be able to buy them some rugs. 
colorful, engaging rugs. We want kids to love to come to church. They're very engaging, a fun place, and on some other equipment. The second thing is that we want to disciple each other. Now, this is a room of our, excuse me, this is a picture of our conference room, and it's pretty drab. <laughs> All the tables have been around, I don't know how long, maybe 15 years, and uh, the chairs need to be replaced because, you see, this is the place where our guests come. We're going to have a newcomer gathering at 1230 in this room right after. So if you'd like to join us, certainly come along. We'll child care and uh, we'll just be together for an hour, sharing some sandwiches and talking about uh, the ministry at Springbrook and questions that you have. But we have all kinds of meetings in here. Uh, on Sunday mornings, Al teaches Christianity 101 to new people who come to the Lord. And so we get them right into discipleship right away. And this really is the key room for meeting in our ministry. So we want to give a better impression for people who come in and know that we're serious about uh, doing our ministry and making it a nice environment. So again, cabinets, uh, new tables, new chairs, whatever we can do with $5,000. That's a TV that we use now, so <laughs> it just does not work. Next, uh, we have discipling our community. In this picture, we see uh, Pastor Rich, and he's a chaplain. Yeah, he's a chaplain serving uh, Algonquin and Huntley and Lake of the Hills. And uh, the guy in the middle there is Tim Perry, and he is the uh, leader of nationwide chaplaincy service. They have about 50 chaplains, but they have a lot of things going on here. And so they need resources because these guys really minister. I mean, they minister to people at their most difficult time when they're told that someone has died at the chapel there. Uh, and there's a domestic uh, issue going on. There's a chaplain there. And so uh, one thing they need is bulletproof vests, right? Yeah. Well, the police department's not going to buy that for them, so you got to buy Pastor Rich a bulletproof vest. That'll keep him around. He's a keeper. And uh, then also other training, uh, faith-based training about resilience. So it's, of course, about, you know, how to be emotionally resilient as a policeman. It's it's such a difficult job. And then, but it gets into the the spiritual part of it as well. So we hope to give 5,000 to that. And then uh, the last area, I think that's all we have. So those three areas our year-end offering, and we're going to send you a letter about it this week. And, and this is what you want to think about, okay? The average family spends $750 on Christmas. Some many more, some much less. But $750. And again, the question, if it's Jesus' birthday, what are you really giving him? And God loves when we give sacrificially. And we give more than we think we can give. He loves it. It doesn't matter how much it is. But if it's sacrificial to us, it brings him great joy. So you think, okay, I got, if I spent seven fifty, how much is Jesus' gift going to be? If it's his birthday, 25% of your seven fifty. Fifty 50%, it's his birthday. 
maybe a hundred percent. Just pray and think about that. Because that's another beautiful thing you can share with your family. We're giving these resources. Everybody gets a gift and we're giving a gift to Jesus in order to resource his kingdom. Well, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning we've had, the fun we've had, uh, this wonderful worship that we've experienced. And Lord, help us to keep you in the middle of this season by spending time with you, listening to you, Lord. Help us put that Christmas box together to communicate to everybody in their house and their guests that Jesus is the reason for the season by giving generously uh, to our year-end offering and to those that disciple others. And Lord, we, we just want to be a sacrifice. We, we just want you to be the most important thing in our lives because you laid your life down for us and we want to lay 